Hey everybody, this is Jimmy. Welcome to another episode of the Biblical Business Leaders Podcast. I'm super excited that you're here. I'm excited for this episode as well. Uh, It is with somebody that is a top 100 business trainer in the world. He's uh, multiple different businesses that he runs and operates. Um, He hosts a syndicated talk show. He's been a best-selling author on multiple occasions. Um, And his name is Josh Tolley. It's somebody I've gotten to know really well over the last six to eight months. We work together on a couple different projects. Um, And I've been able to really get uh, some mentorship from him. And so I've been extremely lucky to have him in my life and to be able to bring him to you today. Uh, We talk a a lot in this episode about uh, his book, Evangelpreneur. At least I mention it a lot because it was a a very good book and a turning point in my life for a lot of different things. Uh, The book's called Evangelpreneur, How Biblical Free Enterprise Can Empower Your Faith, Family, and Freedom. So the link is in the show notes for that. You can find it on Amazon uh, if you just want to Google search that. But yeah, super excited to have him on here. We talk about creativity. We talk about uh, reading the Bible uh, in its totality and in its original languages. And really, we talk about uh, you know letting God be your business partner. So I'm extremely excited for you to listen to this. If you have any questions at all, please uh, let me know. Feel free to join our Facebook group uh, called Biblical Business Leaders. You can find that link in the show notes as well. And last but not least, please like, share, uh, review this podcast so that we can get the word out to as many people as possible. And I really appreciate you being here, and uh, God bless. Hey, Josh, how you doing today? I'm doing good, my friend. How are you doing? I'm doing really well. Thank you so much for joining. I really appreciate this. I'm excited for this one. I know a lot of people that are going to listen to this are, are excited for it. So a lot of the people that I know, know you. And so... Um, One that everybody's looking forward to. So um, I'll go ahead. I'll start off with a quick, quick prayer like I do with uh, all the other ones, and then we'll get right into it. All right. Yeah. Heavenly Father, thank you so much for the opportunity for Josh and I to come on this podcast today and discuss two important topics. First, our faith and second, our businesses and how those interact. So thank you so much for that opportunity. Please bless this conversation. Bless the opportunity for the listeners to hear this. And thank you so much. In Jesus name we pray. Amen. Amen. Awesome. So, well, Josh, for people that don't know you, I'll quickly uh, introduce you. You are a syndicated talk show host. Uh, you're a number one best-selling author, which one of my favorite books. I have it right here, Evangelpreneur. So, <laughs> um, and then also uh, you're a top 100 business trainer in, in the yeah. world, right? So yeah. um, it's pretty exciting. I've gotten to know you pretty well over the last year, I guess, over different yeah. things. And thank you so much for being on here. So have you, uh, have you always been an entrepreneur, Josh, or is this something that, you know? Oh, gosh, yeah. Okay, I, I didn't know if you started with, uh, you know, a job and then became an entrepreneur or how that all started. No, I've, I've always been an entrepreneur. Uh, okay. I had a, a business in middle school. Um, okay. At the time, I was making a little bit more than my teachers. <laughs> and I, I knew at that point, you know, maybe this whole go to school, go to college, get good grades, get a job thing really wasn't for everybody. Yeah. Um, but I, I've always kind of been an entrepreneur. I remember even in elementary school setting up trading networks. Uh, and I, it, what's crazy is I remember that. I cannot remember a name of a single teacher from elementary school. <laughs> but I remember that I would get two fruit roll-ups from one kid, and I would use that, and I would, I would just trade one thing. Like usually pretty, <laughs> but that would give me two fruit roll-ups. And then with the two fruit roll-ups, I could eat one, and I could trade the other one. So I would wow. actually – by setting up this little trading network. So I've always kind of been uh, an entrepreneur. And then um, when I was going through school, I sucked. I absolutely, 
that sort of like graduated illiterate. Mm. Uh, it, well, they called it functionally Ill- illiterate. I read at a seven-year-old level, okay, um, which was mildly embarrassing. And I was extremely shy, but I knew that I had to be an entrepreneur. So that's kind of what started that journey. Wow. Is, were your parents entrepreneurial or is that just something that you were naturally inclined to do? You know, I, I, I think it's a little bit of both. I think God makes us entrepreneurs. Mm. Every single kid I've ever met on every continent in every country I've been to yeah. is naturally an entrepreneur. Okay. If you go to any kindergarten class, you will see trading taking place. And then what happens is parents come along and they say, stop trading. And, <laughs> and it's, it's crazy because it, it, it takes us away from entrepreneurship and then it conditions us to be employees. So I, I think part of it right. is God actually tells us from Genesis to Revelation that he wants us to have entrepreneurship in every single household. But wow. above and beyond that, it did help that my parents were always kind of looking for that next thing to do. Okay. Uh, my parents were divorced when I was really young. but. Oh, wow. Even I remember my grandparents were doing what I guess would be today called side hustles, whether it's <laughs> delivering salt for um, water softeners or okay. like even little stuff like that. They were always doing something as a side hustle. Wow, that's awesome. Yeah, I mean, it's it's pretty cool for me to look at a lot of the people we've been talking to. It's It seems to be semi-generational. I mean, that it seems to pass down those traits. Um, and, you know, it, I, I'm interested to learn a little bit more too how people – um, you know, at some point, I guess things switched to where the United States and, you know, the world in general became more employee driven. So it's interesting to see the people that stuck with the entrepreneurial side or side hustles that it's been a generational change. Um, and it's been pretty cool for me to, to learn a little bit more about that. So um, what kind of businesses for people that don't know, what businesses do you have? Like, do you run right now? Oh, gosh. So <laughs> I know you got a lot. Uh, a little bit of everything. <laughs> yeah. Uh, it, it's it's kind of nuts. So right now we have about 12 companies in the portfolio. Okay. Uh, sometimes it ebbs and flows and changes. Uh, yeah. We're not really sold into any one sort of business. I think that's one of the biggest mistakes entrepreneurs make okay. is they get into something they know or like and it kind of blinds them when yeah. in reality a business is supposed to support the other things you know and like. So we keep it really kind of ebby and flowy. Uh, we're into commercial real estate. We're into healthcare. Uh, until about two weeks ago, I owned the only freestanding uh, birthing center in the state of Missouri. Oh, wow. I sold that during COVID when everybody else was panicking. We were making money. Okay. Uh, so that's kind of cool. Yeah. Um, but I'm, I'm still on the board for that clinic. Mm. Uh, and then what's really interesting, just as a side note for the entrepreneurs, I always frame my sale deals with first rate of refusal. Okay. So even if I sell a company, I get it back. <laughs> it's a wonderful, awesome. wonderful scenario. Yeah. Um, so we're, yeah, we're, we're into everything. Um, yeah. Agriculture, uh, insurance, uh, media production, entertainment, food, like wow. it, you name it, we're in it. We're yeah. A lot. Yeah. That's amazing. And I know that you said you kind of alluded to it a little bit, but a lot of people kind of lose their creativity. Um, as they grow up and they go through the schooling system and whatnot. Now, since you said that you weren't a, a great student, I'm sure that that brought out your creativity a little bit more. Oh my uh, gosh, yeah, man, absolutely. Yeah. So there's this expression that A students work for B students, B students <laughs> are managed by C students, and D students own the company. <laughs> that is an absolutely true statement. Yeah. Because the A student just has to regurgitate the right answer in order to get the reward. Mm. Whereas the D student had to creatively figure out how to even graduate. 
Right. Well, that translates into the real world. And Vanderbilt University, maybe three years ago, mm-hmm. they did this great study where they, they studied the first and second place people after graduation, thinking, wow, they're going to have these wonderful lives, right? They're going to yeah. be the most successful amongst us. And it's actually the opposite. There was wow. a ton of divorce and drug use and suicide wow. and drinking, and it was just terrible. Yeah. Because the real world doesn't operate on a answer the test correctly, get a reward, answer the <laughs> test correctly, get a reward. The right. real world doesn't work that way. Uh-huh. And you had this this test population of people who live their entire life thinking that's how things work. And oddly enough, we also saw these ads go away. Uh, when I was young, they used to run these ads that talked about, you know, if you have a college degree, mm-hmm. uh, it's worth a million dollars more in your career or something. <laughs> okay. well, they, they stopped running those ads because it turned out that was a lie. It's not true. <laughs> Your odds of becoming a millionaire are higher if you have a 2.5 GPA. Than really? You, yeah, yeah, I'm serious. <laughs> I'm serious. Then if you are a, um, a 4.0. So. Wow. That's crazy. Yeah. I didn't I didn't know that. Um, you know, I was I was more of a B student, you know, A to B student growing up, but uh, I always had things going on in high school. You know, I've always been somebody that worked. So for the businesses that we have, it makes sense, but you know, I do feel uh less creative than a lot of people and I think that probably plays into that is that I was more of an A student follow the rules if I can. And so now yeah. I'm trying to learn actually through reading your book and talking to you um, a little bit more about being creative. And it's been really fun to learn that process. Um, so kind of were, your parents, that. were your parents generationally entrepreneurs? Uh, not necessarily. They did have their own business though. So for about four years or so, they had their own, they sold it, um, but they still um, were employees for the, for the most part. So they were employees, started their business. It started to grow. So my dad quit uh, being a a surgical assistant for a few years. And then they sold that business and went back to being uh, employees. But uh, there's some things that they did wrong um, that they've told me they did wrong. So they had to sell the business um, just because they, you know, they were just working hundred hour weeks. Um, They didn't start the business the right way. Right. And I know you talk a lot about exit plans actually in your book, I believe too, um, about starting with an exit plan in mind. And so I think that's one thing that my parents didn't do. Right. But they were still entrepreneurial. They were still, um, you know, very interested in that and they did well. They built the business. They just worked too much. So they had to get out of that. My mom actually has her own business now, um, again, so she went back to accounting and tax and because of our business with uh, e-commerce, she works solely with e-commerce sellers on accounting, bookkeeping, and tax. So it's still there. I mean, I know that whole, uh, from a generational perspective, that's there. Um, so it is cool to see that. But uh, it's, all, it, it, it's, it's just in your genes. It's just yeah. a natural human condition. Yeah, absolutely. I think my grandfather was a salesperson. So that's as close to being an entrepreneur as an employee that you can be, you know? Yeah. <laughs> so, yeah, uh, it, you know, it's pretty cool to see. But um, so I guess from a faith perspective, I know in talking to you and hearing you speak um, that you weren't always, um, you know, a follower of, of Jesus and a follower of the Bible. Is that correct? Or is, okay, right. I didn't know if I misspoke on that. So can you tell us, I guess, a little bit about what changed there as much as you're comfortable sharing? Um, yeah, absolutely. So um, I grew up in a house that wasn't really anything. Okay. Um, we weren't really, you know, like these diehard atheists sort mm-hmm. of, we just weren't anything. Yeah. And um, as time kind of progressed, I started getting involved in martial arts and I noticed a lot of my martial art friends they were involved in Shintoism, Taoism, Confucianism, Wicca, shamanism, oh, wow. uh, like you name it. 
They yeah. were Hindu. Like they were involved in a ton of different religions, okay. except for the religion of the Bible. Hmm. And I've always kind of noticed patterns, right? I'm, I'm really good at reading people. Yeah. And it's just kind of stuck out to me that none of them were like, Christian shamans or Christian, <laughs> like they just avoided Christianity altogether. Yeah. So I figured, well, why? There has to be something there. So uh, I grabbed a Bible and I started at page one and I read the thing. Oh, wow. And it, it was only until decades later that I found out that 70% of Christians have never actually read the Bible, which kind of blows my mind. Yeah. I mean, you, here you have this idea that God wrote you a letter. You say you love God, but you didn't read his letter. Right. Anyway. Um, <laughs> so. I, I read that book and I studied a ton of other religions too. And um, at the end, I, I just said, yeah, this makes the most sense. Out of all the religions I studied, this is the most complete, concise, accurate sort of uh, telling of everything. Yeah. And I said, okay, well, this is, I believe this book. And then I said, well, what do I do now? I mean, people who <laughs> read this book go to church, right? So I went to a church uh-huh. and I left. <laughs> <laughs> uh, I realized quite quickly that most churches, even though they say they're full gospel, uh, mm-hmm. they're not. Uh, right. I, I've gone to over 35 churches. I've been kicked out of a couple of them uh, because most churches today are absolutely Bible or biblically illiterate. Yeah. Most of the seminaries in this country do not require reading the Bible. There's wow. even an association of atheist pastors. Where pastors, I am dead serious. I did not know that. Yeah. Yep, because it, it's treated and viewed as a great profession, and they still get to uplift and build up people, so they're okay, okay. with the fact that they don't believe there's a God. So uh, I got a little disgruntled with, um, I guess, American Christianity, but yeah. never, never left the faith of the Bible. And then fast forward a number of years, and here we are, and now I write about it, teach about it, speak yeah. about it. Wow. That's awesome. Yeah, no, it's uh, something, you know, I grew up actually, I went to a Christian school and thinking back on it, I never fully read the Bible, right? I mean, we would have classes for Bible reading, but it'd always be the same, you know, five or six books and they just kind of blow off the rest of them. So this year, and actually what kind of started this, what I wanted to do was me being like, all right, I'm going to read it from page one on. So I think that's extremely important. Something that a lot of people don't do. And actually you were one of the people that encouraged me indirectly to do that. Oh, I was like, <laughs> changed your whole life. You know, you went from non, you know, not being a part of the faith to reading the Bible. You know, there's something that I should probably do. Like it's, uh, you know, <laughs> it makes sense if I call myself a Christian that I should read the whole thing and from page one on, you know, I'm sure over time I've read the majority of it, just passage sure. to passage, but there's a power in reading it from page one straight through. Uh, oh, there absolutely is. And, and and I think that's one of the biggest overlooked aspects. You know, mm-hmm. I mean, everybody acknowledges and realizes that there were no chapter and verses in the original text and there were yeah. no punctuation marks. Right. So we have in America, we have 41,000 Christian denominations. Wow. And it's all because they're arguing about what the book says, <laughs> because all of them don't start from page one. They right. pick and choose and grab and, and this is what this means. And well, it doesn't mean that to us. So mm-hmm. They just split into 41,000 stinking groups, yeah. whereas if everybody started at page one and read the whole book, you'd have one group. Yeah. And it's odd that you know Jesus says, Father, let them be one as you and I are one, mm-hmm. yet here we are in this situation where we're splitting up more than any other sort of religion on the planet, yeah. and it's all because we're picking and choosing what we want to believe. 
Right. Absolutely. And it's amazing too, because I've done a lot more research lately and I'm actually going to do a podcast episode on like resources and things to, to read some of the original, as much of the original language meanings as they can. Like there's software programs out there to help people be like, well, this, why doesn't this verse make sense in connection with the rest of the Bible? Well, if you look at what the original word meant, if they had picked a different definition, it changes that whole verse completely. Um, so I think that's important for a lot of people to, you know, if there's something that confuses them or seems like, well, this, this isn't match up with this part of the Bible, it should all be equal, right? For it to be true. And it is all equal. Um, so I think that that's something that's important for people. So I'm excited to do that episode. Is that something, have you looked into like, you know, either using a strong concordance or a certain resource that you use to look at the, whenever you read the Bible fully? Um, or- yeah. So, so that's, that's a really interesting question. So when you read it fully the first time, I, I didn't know that there was a thing called a concordance. Right. I just read it. Okay. Uh, but you start noticing certain things. Mm-hmm. Uh, one of the big things I noticed was words in italics. Mm-hmm. So I just looked up, why are there words in italics? Mm-hmm. And it turns out in your Bible, if it's in italics, it wasn't in the original Bible. Okay. They just added it in there to try to make that sentence make sense. Right. <laughs> well, that changes some massive books. Yeah. Uh, Acts, Hebrews, and Romans, for example, massively change. If right. You take out the italics. Okay. Um, other things like when it's capital L, capital O, capital R, capital D. Mm. Why is it sometimes all caps, sometimes not? Well, I didn't realize that over 700 times, that's actually a removal of a word. Not and in that case, they actually took a word out. Okay. So I was like, oh my gosh, this is nuts. Yeah. <laughs> so it it started with that, and then it moved on to a concordance, and then uh, thankfully in the St. Louis area, there's an organization that can teach you to read Hebrew in three days. Oh really? So uh, that became a, a resource. Okay. And then it's not just the words, though. You have to understand the context mm. in which the words were spoken. So the Bible has hundreds of idioms. Yeah. And an idiom is something like, um, I don't know, if if I said the whole uh, kitten caboodle. Okay. Well, somebody reading from the future would have no idea what that even means. Yeah. <laughs> you know, no context. Right. But there's a ton of them in the Bible. And mm. when we don't realize that they're idioms, we also start getting false teachings. And one of those idioms is a plank in your eye. Mm. Well, it's not... It, 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 or, or, or poor in spirit. Poor in spirit is another idiom. Had nothing to do with having a little bit of spirit. Had nothing to do with that. <laughs> right. It was an idiom. So between grabbing the original language and also understanding the cultural and contextual situation behind what is being written yeah. really allows you to come to the same conclusion as the people who wrote it. Yeah. That's awesome. Yeah, it's been it's been pretty cool to see. And one of the resources I actually use is called eSword. Um, and oh. they, yeah, so it's been a pretty cool uh, software. You can, I think it's free for a PC um, or it's 10 bucks or something for Mac and I use Mac. But it's pretty cool if you use the 
King James Version with a plus sign next to it. It puts all the Hebrew um, definitions from the Strong's Concordance to where you can click it and see what the original word was. So um, for anybody out there, I'll put a link to the, in the show notes for that. But um, that's been a, really helpful. What uh, Do you know the name of the uh, the program that teaches you Hebrew in three days in St. Louis? It's actually an organization. An organization? Uh, okay. Yeah, I, I know the gentleman's name. The name okay. of the organization slipped in my mind right now. Okay, that's fine. But I... I can hook you yeah. up with them. Okay. That's pretty cool. Yeah. I mean, um, that, that'd be interesting to see because I've always wanted to be able to look at that, especially lately since I've been looking into things a lot more with, uh, reading the Bible <laughs> the way it was supposed to be in my opinion. But so you started, I guess, to bring it back to the business to kind of tie that together. You, you had yeah. businesses, I assume before you, uh, you know, became Christian. Um, yes. what, did you change the way you ran your businesses at all after that? Or do you think that they just both naturally coincided? They naturally coincide. Okay. That's, that's the wonderful thing about free enterprise. Free enterprise is so chuck full of biblical values, it's not even fun. Okay. Now, I know in today's modern world, there's a whole, you know, what's better, socialism or capitalism <laughs> or whatever. That's right. not what I'm talking about. I'm talking about real, baseline, pure, organic free enterprise. Yeah. And that's to say, okay, let's say I sell microphones. If I don't sell you a quality microphone, if I don't really take care of you as a customer, mm-hmm. you don't come back to me. Mm, which means right. I'm out of money. <laughs> so it is in my best interest to do you well. Well, that's what the Bible taught anyway. You yeah. know, the Bible teaches, be honest in your weights and measures. If something's wrong, how do you go about restoring it? So those things actually pair beautifully, whereas employment actually goes against everything that the Bible says to do. Right. It really, truly does. The number one place for people to have an affair is at work. Well, wow. I thought the Bible said flee temptation, not spend 40, 50, 80 hours a week in it. <laughs> right, exactly. You're more likely to have an affair at work than you are at a strip club. Wow. Uh, you know, and, and the comparisons yeah. keep going. I mean, in, in employed people have a higher divorce rate. It, it's just They just do. You have mm-hmm. people who get married and spend 40 hours a week away from each other, two hours a day with each other, 49 minutes once you take kids out of the equation, Mm. and you grow in separate ways. You're chasing different dreams. So you have this situation, you know, 18 years later after the kids grow up, I don't feel like I know you anymore. I don't feel like I know you either. (laughs) Well, you don't. You don't know each other. So there's a ton of toxicity that comes with employment where in free enterprise, it naturally kind of drives you to live in a biblical sort of way anyway. Right, And then you combine that with the fact that there's a, there's just an element of building your culture through entrepreneurship that doesn't exist through employment. And that kind of amplifies it. All right. In what way, I guess, uh, what do you mean by building your culture? There's an element to that. So for example, um, if, if we were to experience Indian culture in St. Louis, Mm. we could go to a lot of things. We could go to a Hindi sort of religious organization, but You can also go to a dance festival, a block party, a restaurant, a store, right? There's this cultural element to that. Okay. Uh, Same thing in the Jewish world, the Muslim world, the Hindu, well, I just said Hindu. (laughs) But you don't have that in Christianity. Right. You don't. You cannot tell a Christian from a non-Christian in the mall. Right. That's true. And a lot of that is because we live in in a sterilized world for the purpose of employment. In employment, you're not supposed to evangelize at work. In employment, everybody has to be the same. In employment, there has to be conformity in order to 
give this normalcy bias to everybody else who joins that culture after the initial foundation. Mm-hmm. So you have to build out something that takes away from, not builds to. No company, I mean, look at, look at companies that have a lot of employees that have even tried. Look at Hobby Lobby. They got in trouble because they were trying to have Christian employees. Right. Chick-fil-A, same thing. But if, if, if you look at the power of entrepreneurship, you can live out your faith through your employment or your entrepreneurship rather and actually impact the culture. And a great example of that is in the Muslim community. The Muslims have this ability to, to come into a city, a town, a state, and hats off to them. They're doing it, they're doing it better than everybody else. Right. But they come into a town and they're entrepreneurs. They're not getting a ton of jobs. They're entrepreneurs. And right. because of that, a Muslim dollar goes hand to hand 14 to 16 times inside the Muslim community wow. before it leaves that community into the general American population. Well, that means with 3% of the population, they can take over a city. <laughs> right. The same thing is true with the Jewish dollar. In the Jewish community, it's 10 to 12 times in that community before it leaves into the general population. Wow. Yeah. In the Christian community, it's zero. It is zero times. We put no thought into how entrepreneurship builds our culture. Instead, we say, oh, well, they have it cheaper at uh, Walmart or whatever. Right. <laughs> how does my dollar build my culture? Right. Oh, that's amazing. And I know too, and you're actually, this is another thing in your book. I know I keep alluding to it, but it was, it was a, you know, a major point in my life reading this. So, which it's Evangelpreneur. I don't know if I even mentioned the name of it. The book's Evangelpreneur. Anybody watching on you, on anybody watching on YouTube, you can see it. It'll be, there'll be a link in the show notes for it, but you do talk to I mean, you mentioned Hobby Lobby and Chick-fil-A and you know, that they're instilling that culture, but you know, yeah, they get, they get a lot of bad media from it, but they also get a lot of support because they are building that culture, which is pretty amazing uh, to see, you know? Um, yeah, you the know. hardest thing to build in business is customer loyalty. Yeah. But the easiest way to build it is to share a belief. Right, absolutely. If, if you were to go into a Chick-fil-A any day of the week and just say, hey, how many people in here believe in God? 90% of the hands would go up. Right. And people go there because they want to support something they believe in. Mm-hmm. And I think that's true, I mean, even in other things. I mean, why does the LBGTQQIXPA2PLUSP community have such a massive uh, ability to set up a restaurant, set up a store, and have it succeed? Right. Because they want to support something that supports them, right? Mm-hmm. Yeah. It just is. It's just a natural law. Well, by mm-hmm. taking that out of business, you're taking out the reason why I should support you. Yeah. Now it's just going to be based on price. And when something's just based on price, everybody has to race to the bottom because yeah. now everybody's going to be cheaper than the next guy, cheaper than the next guy, cheaper than, and everybody's racing to the bottom. Whereas when it's based on belief, you will have a Muslim gentleman or lady mm-hmm. go buy a, a, a pair of shoes for $10 more from a Muslim vendor than they can at the Walmart. Why? Because right. they know it's going to something they support. Yeah. As opposed to just chasing price. 
Wow. Yeah, that's, that's powerful because uh, especially in today with uh, e-commerce and everything, and you know that I, we've got our own Amazon and business and everything, but you know, it's so uh, based on strictly just price, but you know, the people and the brands that succeed long-term are the ones that fall behind a, a common belief. Um, and so, you know, I'm sure it's a little bit of a tricky thing to, to do um, online, or at least it's a little trickier than like in-person local, but you can build a belief for people that are online, but um, um, yeah, I mean, it's, it's, it's pretty cool to see that um, and to see the different examples because you can point to Chick-fil-A or Hobby Lobby as people that are supported by sharing their beliefs. Because um, that's oh, always been things, one thing. Even things like In-N-Out Burger. In-N-Out oh, yeah. Burger puts a Bible verse on the bottom of every cup or New Balance oh. shoes. There's one on every shoe or okay. every box of shoes. Like there's lots yeah. of companies that do that. Wow. And because of that, it, it, it empowers them to be able to create loyalty where New Balance is making a ton of money, but they don't have to spend nearly the amount of money advertising as Nike does. Right, so exactly. Constantly has to be hot. Yeah. So they need to be on the latest app. They need to be on the latest commercial or the latest social change trend. Yeah. Whereas New Balance, once people realize they're a biblical-based company, I only wear New Balance. Yeah. The, the, the new Jordans look great. Who cares? <laughs> like, it, right. it, it's irrelevant. Right. Well, they're cheaper. Doesn't matter. Well, you can get them faster. Doesn't matter. Mm. Because now I'm supporting something with my money. Yeah. And what's interesting about that, Jimmy, is we have a lot of people who say, well, I want to spend my money on things that are good for the environment. Great. Yeah. But you should also spend money on things that are good for your belief system too. Mm -hmm. What do you want to do and accomplish and believe in? Yeah. Absolutely. Now, what do you suggest for people? Because for the longest time running a business, I was always like, well, you know, I have to keep my beliefs separate because that's what the world tells us. What do you, what do you suggest for people that have done that, you know, like us, kept our beliefs as separate as we could until recently? But how do you kind of start incorporating that if you've already built a culture that doesn't really talk about it? So I would say you live it first. Okay. You just start living it first, living yeah. the belief. Because the reality is, is it really the Christianity that is the common denominator or the belief that you should love your neighbor? Mm, right. Like Jesus even says this, I'm paraphrasing, but look at how even the bad dude will, won't give a rock to their kid when they ask for bread, right? Mm -hmm, like right. there's just, a, there's just a, a, a something in us that says, wow, if you're honest and good and you know, true, then people will respond to that. So you start implementing that into what you see. Right. You know, it's kind of like the my pillow guy. The my pillow yeah. guy didn't have to tell anybody he's a Christian in order for people to resonate with, wow, this guy really cares about his employees. He really mm -hmm. cares about making the products in America. He really cares, right? Yeah. So people people would just say, huh, if I were to ask you, is the new bat or is the my pillow guy a Christian? Most people would say yes without even knowing because they saw the fruit in his life and made him think, yeah, actually he probably is. Right. So that's the first way to do it. And then after you start doing that to the point where it's not gimmicky, because I hate that too. I yeah. hate the gimmick. I hate the, hey, come to our auto dealer, Jesus fish. <laughs> you know, right. it's like, come. <laughs> yeah. But once you get past that, then you just start standing up for things you believe in. Mm. And not doing it with a in-your-face smug sort of way, but a, we're, we, we are going to stand for something. We're, we're going to stand for something we believe. Yeah. And um, we did that with that movie. Oh, what was that movie? 
the chick who used to work for Planned Parenthood, Unplanned. Oh, okay, yeah. Um, we did that with Unplanned. One of our companies, we bought out the the movie theater, and anybody who wanted to come, you can mm. come for free to buy the movie. Wow. And people got upset. Uh, Planned Parenthood tried to, they actually tried to uh, register for all of our free tickets so people really? couldn't come. It was it was crazy, wow. man. It was crazy. We had one showing where half the theater was empty, but all the tickets were claimed. And they all came, huh. all the, we did like the IP search. Yeah. They all came from Planned Parenthood. Planned Parenthood oh. registered for half of the audience just so nobody would see that movie. That's awful. Wow. It is awful. But you know what it did? It okay. made the people who weren't aware of us more loyal to us. Oh, that's true. Yeah. <laughs> you know, it's like what the enemy intends for evil, God uses for good. But Yeah, absolutely. And that's a good example, too, of getting creative, right? Using creativity to, to show your, your faith and your beliefs, right? And your business. Right. That's awesome. Yep. So were there any like challenges, I guess, that you faced, um, you know, with running a business or combining faith and business and like how you overcame them, I guess. Is there anything specific you can think of? Um, no, not really. And I, I think it's because I'm too stubborn to care. <laughs> okay. Yeah. Um, for those who don't know me, I'm an extremely blunt person. Okay. And it, it, it just doesn't register. I, yeah. I do not lose sleep at night worrying about, oh my goodness, is this going to offend somebody? Mm. There's, there's a great quote, lions don't ask the opinion of sheep. Right. So I really don't care. Okay. The way I view it is God's in control anyway. If, if I'm going to lose revenue because I offended you for his sake, good luck with that. He's going to reward me anyway. Right. So, Absolutely. No, that makes complete sense. And it also, I'm sure that there's part of that too, that comes from, I mean, you had to overcome a lot of uh, adversity through school to get through school, you know, like even just a mental oh, yeah. battle, right. To just get through like, Oh, I made this mistake. Keep moving on. Right. <laughs> Focus on oh, what's yeah. important. Um, yeah. Yeah. I'm, I'm, I'm not the typical American Christian male, you know, and right. neither are you because you're an entrepreneur, but there is this, this, this demographic of Christian male, you know, Mm. wears a sweater over a collared shirt and wears keys <laughs> and talks really soft and yeah. you know just somebody who would make you want to puke. Yeah. That's not me. Right. That's not me. I, I rode a Harley to work today. Like I'm, <laughs> I'm that sort of person who then ended up believing in God. Yeah. So I brought that with me in terms of, you know, get out of the way or I'm going to run you over. You're not, you don't get an option. You either get out of the way or I run you over. Right. Exactly. No, that uh, makes actually the uh, the uniform. I'll pray just, for you as I run you over. <laughs> yeah, the uh, the uh, I guess clothing that you just described was actually my my uniform in high school <laughs> at a Christian school that I went to. So <laughs> there you go. I know that that attire pretty well. Um, but yeah, I guess I, the last question is: there anything else that you think people should know um, before we kind of you know land this this podcast? Yeah, I would I would say um, let God be your business partner. Okay. I, I think too often I hear believers say, oh, I could never, I could never start a business. It's so risky. <laughs> right. Wait a second. I thought you could do all things through Christ who strengthens you. I right. thought you were the one that said God is a light into my path. I oh. thought you said that God is the same yesterday, today, and forever. I thought, you know what I mean? Yeah. Well, is he your business partner or not? Right. Because if he's your business partner, then he's not going to... Well, I shouldn't say he's not going to let you fail. I think sometimes he actually loves it when we fail because we learn stuff. But right. you're never going to be alone either way. Mm -hmm. So let God be your business partner. Take that walk of faith. Because the biggest thing with entrepreneurship, the more you fail, the better and more prestigious you are as an entrepreneur. Mm -hmm. 
-hmm. Whereas in employment, the more you fail, the less likely you are to find another job. It's the exact opposite of each other. So do not be afraid to take that risk. He's with you. Let him be your business partner. Absolutely. That's awesome. Um, yeah, I believe in that wholeheartedly. And especially now too, with it, you know, if there's anybody out there that are still employees and they want to be entrepreneurs, I mean, now is the, is the best time ever to yeah. kind of try to do both, right? And start to build yeah. your business. Um, so take advantage of that. Um, I would say get Josh's book. Absolutely. Uh, Evangelpreneur. You can get it on Amazon. I'll put a link in the show notes for that. Um, I guess, where can people go to find out more about you, Josh, so they can follow you and, and hear more from you? Uh, great question. They can go to joshtully.com in a minute, J-O-S-H-T-O-L-L-E-Y.com. Okay. Uh, they can go to purplemonkeygarage.com. They can go to Shift Capital, which is S-H-Y-F-T-Capital.com. Okay. Or just Google me. I there's Just Google me. There's, there's yeah. Yeah, there's a ton out there. You've got a YouTube channel, you're on Twitter and everything, right? So, um, okay, perfect. Well, I really appreciate the time, Josh. Thank you so much. And uh, I know this is going to be a blessing to everybody that listens, everybody out there. So thanks so um, much. Thank I appreciate you, it. Sir. Thank you for doing this, by the way. Absolutely. I hope more people listen to this and, uh, and, and, and take note of what you're providing. Thank you. Yeah. And I hope they take notes. Actually, they should go back and listen to this a couple of times, take some notes. So um, yeah. Thanks again, Josh. I appreciate it. God bless. Bye.